Welcome to California Ballot Breakdown from KPFA, where we take you through the races down the ballot, the money behind the campaigns, give everyone enough time to make their best argument, and try to get them off their talking points. Today, we think the clinics are understaffed. We think there's millions of bad treatments every year, um, or I'm sorry, every few years, and that they need greater supervision. It is an unnecessary cost that is going to cost patients like me their lives. Proposition 29 is one union's third bid at trying to enact regulations on the dialysis industry through the ballot box. We're going to talk to a representative from the union about why they're doing it, and we'll have them debate a representative of the No campaign. And then you, lucky Californian, get to take a side on dialysis regulations. That's next on California Ballot Breakdown. Hey, a quick note on what you're about to hear. These debates typically air live on the morning program I host on KPFA up front. This particular debate is from the morning of Wednesday, October 19th. We clip them out and post them in this podcast feed because uh, we assume that you are not listening to the radio pen in hand with your 12-page California ballot in the other, and you might want a convenient way to get back to the discussion to hear people defend their positions in their own voices. All right, let's go to the radio. Today we're turning to Proposition 29, which is the third time in four years that California voters are being asked to set policy on dialysis clinics. Uh, This version would require those clinics to report infections to the State Department of Public Health, to disclose ownership stakes in the clinic, to seek consent from the state before they closed clinics, uh, and most importantly and most expensively, it would require them to have a doctor, a nurse practitioner, or physician assistant on site while they are performing dialysis. Uh, We always disclose the money before and after our debates on ballot initiatives. There's about $7.8 million that has gone into getting this passed, almost all of it from the Union Service Employees International Union. About $76 million has gone into fighting it, the majority of it from two for-profit dialysis companies, DeVita and Fresenius. On the pro side this morning, we have David Miller, who's the research director for SEIU United Healthcare Workers and a member of the Yes on 29 campaign. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me. And arguing against Prop 29, Dwayne Cox, a dialysis patient and a member of the No on 29 campaign. Good morning to you. Good morning. David, we'll start with you because you're in the affirmative. Um, Make the case for Prop 29. Yeah, I mean, really at its heart and soul, we're trying to add um, an MD, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant to the clinic. We think the clinics are understaffed. We think there's millions of bad treatments every year, um, or I'm sorry, every few years, and that they need greater supervision. Uh, You know, we hear from workers, we hear from patients um, that having another pair of hands, you know, especially on the high end, on the clinical side, uh, would be incredibly important for patient safety um, and getting better outcomes. So, you know, we think this is important. We think these companies uh, can afford it. Um, The companies spend billions of dollars right now buying shares, paying dividends. Um, We think that money should be put back into patient care. And we think that this is a good proposal to improve care. And why do you think that is something that should go straight to the ballot rather than go through the legislative 
process, you know, staff refining language, public hearings with expert testimony and public comment, uh, give and take through amendments and so forth. Yeah, so we have an experience with the dialysis industry in Los Angeles right now where we went through the Los Angeles City Council um, for actually um, for acute care and dialysis workers where we got a minimum, a $25 minimum wage. We went through the process and uh, they put their referendum in it, so it's going to go to the voters. So we actually don't think, um, you know, the the legislative process is going to work in this case. I think you saw the fast food workers, you know, bill went through. Uh, the entire legislature, it got referendum. You saw it in the oil industry when they didn't like it, it got referendum. So we think, you know, these issues are more and more going to head to the ballots as, you know, for-profit companies, you know, see value for their shareholders and delay or trying to defeat the legislative process. So um, we think that stuff is going to end up on the ballot and that's what we're doing. Dwayne Cox, what's your argument against Prop 29? My argument is that it is an unnecessary cost that is going to cost patients like me their lives. The dialysis centers already have their, um, have infectious rates uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, regulations that are already regulated by both the County of Los Angeles, uh, the state of California, and the, um, the federal government uh, Medicare program are all regulate all of these things that they are requesting in this proposition, except for the extra doctor, which is not needed. There are already doctors, nurses, and uh, technicians that are trained, licensed, and experienced in taking care of dialysis patients like me in the dialysis centers. And so the things that are in this proposition are superfluous and would end up being extra costs that will cost patients their lives. So just to clarify, like your, your theory is the costs go up, some of the clinics go down, some of the clinics are shut, it's harder for you to access dialysis? Yeah, that's not a theory, though. That is that is a proven fact, and it is documented um, by uh, independent uh, uh, people that have uh, checked the numbers, checked what the additional costs would be. Many of these dialysis centers are uh, are not run by as as uh, the opponent says by Fresenius and, and DeVita. Many of them are independents. Many of them are operating on margins as it is. And most of the um, payments to um, dialysis centers for dialysis care is from Medicare. Medicare has a very, very strict limit on how much they pay. So many of these centers are already operating on margin and not, as this guy says, that it's um, you know, that is deep pockets or something like that. And the problem is, is that if a dialysis center uh, closes in, uh, in my neighborhood, I have to go further, which means that it's very possibly that I might have to uh, miss a dialysis session and end up in the emergency room because of my center being shut down or at least cut back because of these uh, exorbitant costs. 
David Miller, your, your response to, to that specific argument that the costs of complying could close down some dialysis clinics. Yeah, we, we think it's not true. The dialysis industry is incredibly profitable, and 75% of the clinics in California are run by two for-profit companies, and you know the vast majority, it's a for-profit industry. And In fact, what happens right now is the industry closes clinics unregulated for strategic reasons to maximize profitability, and we don't hear them clamoring out for self-regulation. And, and in fact, our ballot measure actually regulates closures. So currently right now, when they close six or seven clinics a year and communities lose their clinic, which you know, uh, Mr. Cox spoke about and how important it is, well, there's no oversight right now. Um, our ballot measure actually introduces oversight. They have to make the case to the Department of Public Health about why they're closing uh, and if there's another buyer out there and if it's for economic certainty. Um, so. So we also so we regulate uh, the closure. Um, we actually don't think that this is economically onerous. We think the industry can easily afford this, um, and we think. How did we you know, wind up with with seventy five percent of the state's dialysis clinics run by for profit companies? I mean, basically, it's a failure of antitrust regulation that they've been buying up, um, you know, their competitors for years now. Uh, and then, you know, folks suddenly woke up and realized that, you know, Medicare pays $300 for an encounter and private insurance now pays, you know, five, six, seven hundred. I've seen bills as high as 1500 for an encounter. They're able to use that sort of monopolistic power to really squeeze, um, you know, commercial payers. So basically, if you have employ, if you get health care through your employer for Fresenius and DeVita are really going to squeeze um, a ton of money out of those folks because you have no options. In a lot of places, there's only two options, Fresenius or DeVita, and it, they just bottom up over time, and all of a sudden, people woke up one day, and we have a duopoly that's very aggressive. Dwayne Cox, you're, you're, you're a dialysis patient here in California. Do you think there should be uh, any additional regulations on, on the places that you go to get your dialysis? I know that the regulations that are proposed in Prop 29 are the wrong ones. I know that. Uh, so what are the right I ones? Said, that I'm not sure. I, I, I would have to study that. But I know that these are the wrong ones. And I know that these ones. Uh, look, I, I advocate for um, patients uh, always because it's, it's my life. It is my own skin in the game. And so if there's something that's there to help dialysis patients, I am all for it. But I have to also speak up when there's something that's dangerous and um, uh, potentially harmful to dialysis patients. And that's why I have to speak up on Prop 29, because the regulations that they are requesting in here are already in place except for the one for the doctor. And the thing is, is when I go to my dialysis center, which is, which is um, not like a, a hospital, a regular hospital, it's an open floor, looks more like a, a beauty salon or a barbershop where there are rows of chairs and there are technicians and nurses there to take care of each patient and can see any patient that might be in distress. Uh, also, I have a choice of going to home dialysis or having dialysis in center. I do it in center because that is the safest situation for me if any kind of emergency arises. And I have my own nephrologist, my kidney doctor, who visits me at the dialysis center once a week. Each patient there has their own doctor to visit them. They have to take care of them and um, 
a prescribed treatment for them individually and as well as the trained and um, experienced nurses and technicians that are there who are like family to dialysis patients. And if dialysis center closes, it's like our anchor has been pulled away from us. And that's why this is dangerous. And, right, but, but one, and of, one these, of the rules in the proposition establishes barriers to closing clinics. The companies operating the dialysis clinics would have to seek permission from the state, which they don't currently do. Do you think that's a good regulation? I think that the, from what I understand, the dialysis centers are just like any other business that cannot be required to operate under, um, under the red. They can't be, if, if I have a business and it's operating in the red, the state of California can't force me to operate in the red. And so therefore, um, it, it can close if that is they, what they want to do. And I right, think let's get that, a response on that point because I think we've narrowed it down to a, to at least one issue here. Uh, David Miller, how is this part of the proposition supposed to work? So um, the way this works is that the Department of Public Health will intervene and, and look and see what the economic situation is. And a lot of these clinics are in giant health systems um, like Fresenius or DeVita that have enormously deep pockets. And so we think the odds of the Department of Health concluding that Fresenius or DeVita are financially distressed enough to allow one of their clinics to close is actually quite low. Um, so we believe that this regulation um, actually protects the vast majority of clinics remaining open um, because the industry is so profitable um, at the top. And currently they, you know, they take billions of dollars and give it to shareholders that that's money that could be used, um, keeping clinics open, putting physicians in clinics while medical treatments are going on. So we see this as actually an incredibly important part of the ballot measure that, um, you know, we, we want to see this level of oversight. And currently California does this in hospitals. Like you can't just pull a hospital um, out of, uh, out of commission, um, you know, that there's the Department of Public Health has some oversight in trying to determine whether to allow a hospital to close, um, you know, so that we think that this is a sort of a natural expansion of the regulatory oversight to make sure um, we don't get big disruptions where, you know, within a day or two, a clinic decides it's closing, um, you know, that we actually have oversight. And we think it's incredibly important. I'd, I'd like you to respond to to. Duane's assertion that the other two regulatory points in here, the required reporting of dialysis-related infections and the disclosure of ownership stakes, uh, duplicate requirements that already exist, for instance, through the Medicare system or federal regulation. Sure, sure. So the infection one, it consolidates everything so that it's easy to find um, at, the de at the Department of what was used to be called um, OSHPUD and now it's called HGUI, sorry for the anacronyms. And that allows the the information to be found on a quarterly basis in a very simple way. So it's really a simplification. Right now, the some of the information is reported to the Fed, some of the information is reported to the state. This pulls the infection data all into one place um, so that it's easier to find and easier to understand. And then the information, the other piece which we really haven't talked about is um, we're uh, we're going to require that when the physicians um, are in a joint venture with a publicly traded company like Fresenius or DeVita or really any other um, for-profit partner, 
um, that they reveal that information to the state um, so that it's easily studied. We, the New England Journal of Medicine had written an editorial saying that this information was incredibly hard to get and difficult to study. And people wanted to be able to know when doctors are in for-profit joint ventures with a publicly traded company to see how it impacts care. So this information is um, actually not easy to get. And with this creates a, a one place to get it. It would require uh, the, all the physicians who have a greater than 5% um, ownership stake to reveal who their partners are and who they are um, so that academic researchers can study it and see if the for-profit influence actually if impacts care. Um, I think the presumption is that it impacts it in a negative way, uh, and that's partly why this information is so difficult to find. Um, so we think it's actually pretty important. Um, and folks have you know, asked when we redo our ballot measure um, if we could include this because this is an area that folks would like to study and like to be able to see what the impact is. May I respond? Sure, go for it, Dwayne. Okay, so uh, dialysis centers are primarily regulated by the um, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. And they have a website that has all of that information. Each dialysis center is regulated by CMS. It is um, regularly uh, tested by CMS. It is surveyed by CMS by both patients and staff members. Uh, it is rated. It's just like Yelp. You could go on the CMS website for kidneys and for kidney care or for dialysis and find ratings and um, detailed information about each center, including outcomes, including um, uh, disease uh, uh, outcomes, uh, all sorts of information right there for you and me to go on and find right there on the website. So that information is available. More importantly for me is he keeps saying that these are deep pockets. And, and uh, what, what scares me is that this is the third time they put a proposition up like this that is using dialysis patients as pawns. And they're making a bet that they're, that they're going to keep paying out deep money to um, fight them and eventually give in because they are trying to unionize dialysis um, center staffs. And that is vicious and vindictive that they keep putting the lives of dialysis patients at risk for their bet to try to get more union members and it's it's outrageous and it it um frustrates me and many other dialysis patients well let let uh i'll, I'll get a response to that in a moment but um let's say for the argument that that is their true motivation do, do you think there's anything wrong with trying to unionize dialysis center staff no i don't think it's anything wrong with that at all i'm i'm from a family of union members uh, i think the union members are of the union, what they usually do is wonderful. But in this case, they're uh, using tactics that are absolutely frightening and wrong. And But they're putting dialysis patients like me and 80,000 other dialysis patients in California at risk for their 
own game. And that is wrong. Okay. And I will not stand for it. Got it, it, it Dwayne. We're short on time. I do, I do want to get a response. David Miller, this is the, the most cynical take I've read on, on your union's motivation. Um, but it's, it's out there. It, it yeah. is that uh, you try to unionize the, the staff of these dialysis clinics. You get leverage by putting something on the ballot for a few million dollars that the companies have to dump $100 million into defeating. Uh, and that's something you hope to eventually trade away at the bargaining table. What's your response? No, this is about good public policy. We think putting a physician into a doctor's office is not going to kill anyone. It's not going to hurt anybody. This is you know, popular with workers. It's popular with a lot of patients. We think this serves the public good. You know, we think our, you know, um, our, public policy thrust, whether it's minimum, you know, trying to get a $25 minimum wage for healthcare workers, trying to get more staff into dialysis clinics, you know, these things are all um, in the public good. Uh, and we understand the other side wants to talk about the union and try to make this cynical and enlist the Wall Street Journal to write editorials about us, uh, you know, because they're trying to hide how much money they have and how much money they're spending and how much of that money is not going into patient care. You know, and so we feel like we're in a giant wrestling match with them where those billions of dollars are going to go to in some of the richest people in the world own DeVita or whether that money is going to go back into patient care. And that's the fight we think we're having. Dwayne Cox said, I think it's only fair to, to close by flipping around the same question. Uh, you're, you're here representing a campaign uh, with $76.4 million in donations recorded and reported to date, principally from two for-profit dialysis chains, DeVita and Fresenius. Um, you, you came to us because you're who the campaign wanted to speak for it, a, a dialysis mm-hmm. patient, an advocate, yes. but, but it is a giant pool of money from two for-profit interests that run dialysis clinics. Why do you think patients' interests are aligned with those of the companies that profit off them? I think that a couple of things. One, that the uh, SEIU has no intention of passing this. They simply want the campaign. We, they, we they just hashed out SEIU's the, motivations. I want to talk mm-hmm. about the motivations of the people financing your side of the campaign. Well, the thing is, is that they are not, they don't have uh, any campaign. They don't have, they're not doing ads or anything. The problem is, is because something like this, something heinous like this gets on the, on the ballot is that we have to educate the general public. Most people have no idea what uh, dialysis is or even what their kidneys do uh, or what happens when they lose their dial- their kidney function. And uh, unfortunately, we have to um, educate the public about um, why this pr- particular proposition is, is so troublesome and that costs money. And if that's what it takes, then I am thankful that they're doing it because once again, it's my life that is on the line here. And all right, Dwayne Cox, we're going to have to leave that question without an answer um, because we're out of time. Thank you, both of you. That was Dwayne Cox, dialysis patient and a member of the NOAA on 29 campaign. Also with us, David Miller, uh, research director for SEIU UHW and a member of the Yes on 29 campaign. This is the proposed regulations on dialysis clinics that are on your California ballot. Uh, The union, SEIU, has put close to eight million dollars into getting it passed uh, two for-profit dialysis chains have put just over 70 million dollars into defeating it
That does it for this California ballot breakdown. A lot of these election segments air first as live interviews and debates on KPFA, mostly on Upfront, the show I host, which you can stream weekdays at 7 a.m. at kpfa.org. You can also subscribe to get all our election segments as their own podcast. Just search for California Ballot Breakdown wherever you subscribe to podcasts. A big thanks to Chris Lee, who produces these segments. My name is Brian edwards Teekert. Remember, in California, your vote often has more impact at the bottom of the ballot than at the top.